jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Power for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Friday edition of Orange Nation. Full lines are open at 315-437-7644. You can also text us at 315-288-0644. We've got two guests lined up for you today, our normal Friday guests. Pat Beeline, head coach of the LeMoyne Dolphins, scheduled to join us at 1245. And then our good friend Danny Shays will be on in hour number two, around 115-120. We'll talk some Q's hoops uh, with uh, the former SU and former NBA star. Um, we've got to get to the Christoph Porzingis story. That was the you know the big national sports story yesterday, and it you know hits close to home with the the Knicks and whatnot. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts on Kristaps uh, going to Dallas? Went and had a meeting with the team and uh, said he wasn't happy with the direction of the program. They the said, meeting, "Fine, we're gonna we're gonna trade you." The meeting I saw this this morning reportedly lasted less than five minutes. Sounds about right. And obviously, they had the trade done before the meeting. They yeah. had to. Have. Apparently, this this trade have. had been in the works for for several days, and you know, the the last several weeks, they got the feeling Kristaps didn't want to be there. And then certainly after the meeting, uh, it became clear Kristaps didn't want to be there. So they move him to Dallas. Uh, we'll we'll get into that uh, as hour number one moves along. We have to begin though, Seth, with the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we haven't spent a whole heck of a lot of time on on Super Bowl Fifty Three, but this is our last show before it all goes down uh, Sunday evening. Um, so let, let's let's start with this. I, I was thinking about this as I was driving over here today. Um, who is the most important figure in this game in terms of determining the outcome? Um, you've got the two head coaches. You got Belichick. You've got yep. You've got McVeigh. That's why I didn't say player because they they're obviously key figures in this whole thing. You've got the two quarterbacks, uh, Brady and Goff. You've got you know Todd Gurley. You've got Rob Gronkowski. You've got Aaron Donald. You've got Julian Edelman. At the end of the day, who do you look at as you know th- this guy is you know the key in your mind to the outcome of this game Sunday night? Yeah, I'm gonna say one guy, but I mean it as a as a, a proxy, so to speak, for like a, a group. Aaron Donald, and I mean that as like a a slimmed down, simpler version of saying that defensive line, because what we've seen with the Patriots specifically in Super Bowls, and and you. Look, you you could say this about nearly any team in NFL history, but when you get pressure on them with four guys, you can beat them. When when you get pressure on them with your front, without having to send extra guys, without having to send blitzes, that's when you can beat them, and that's when you legitimately cause trouble. Whether it's Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, O.C. Uminyora, Matthias Kiwanuka, and that Giants pass rush twice, whether it was last year with Fletcher Cox and, and Chris Long and that Eagles pass rush that was so good, um... That's what causes problems for Tom Brady. And Aaron Donald might just be the best player in the NFL right now. 
uh, like he really might. I mean, he is so dominant at his position and so good at what he does. He might be there, and and if not there, deserves to be in the conversation as the best player in the league. He's so dominant up front, and you add in Indomitian Sue, you add in uh, a guy like Dante Fowler, who's been really good since the Rams have gotten him. The Rams have a pass rush. The Rams have the ability to get to the passer w- without sending too much of a blitz. Um, can Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib in the secondary make Brady pay for that on the back end? I don't know, but I think that the Rams will be able to get pressure um, and that could change what the what the Patriots try and do. I mean, we've seen that in recent Super Bowls, right? Whether it's the Eagles one or the or the Falcons Super Bowl as of late, you've seen the Patriots uh, throwing more to the running back, throwing more short, uh, getting quick stuff, and and getting the ball out. That's the kind of impact that a defensive front has on a game. And so, if Aaron Donald is on his game, they're not going to be going down the field to to Edelman uh, or to Gronk. They're going to be throwing short stuff to Edelman or to their running backs or, or or whoever it might be. And that changes the way that you play. And Brady's not going to escape pressure. We know that no, about Brady is that he's not going to use his feet uh, to to make a play. Uh, certainly, I'll say this about Brady. Um, you know, against the Chiefs, and, and he's done it his whole career, but against the Chiefs, since that's our, our last example of it, the Chiefs knew what was coming. I mean, Tony Romo in the booth knew what was coming, but he found a way to to do it anyway, and that's that's how good he is. So Aaron Donald and that, that front four, they're going to have to be even better, right? And and I don't know if that's possible, to, to be better than Brady on that stage. And I think sometimes we take it for granted that he's so good at what he, he does. The fact this great. is his ninth time in a Super Bowl. And the way that just, again, we expect it. The way that he beat the Chiefs, we expect it. We know if he's going to, you know, if he gets the ball back with two minutes to go, you know they're going down and scoring. He gets the ball in overtime, you know that they're going down and scoring because he's that good. I think sometimes we take it for granted, though, how good he is. Oh, and, he's amazing. And so when I look at who who the biggest figure is, and I don't think there's a wrong answer, I think you can make a case for you know, eight different guys in this game. I rattled off some of them at the top. I think you can make a case for the the two coaches. I, I'm curious to see how Sean McVay, um, you know, how he attacks. Um, I, I don't know if the Patriots can can win a shootout necessarily. Um, I don't know, though. Has, has Bill Belichick ever coached against a high-powered offense in the Super Bowl <laughs> before? I don't know. I've never heard these stories. Right, but I mean, that's why it's a fascinating matchup, right? Because you you know what to expect from Belichick. You know, he's like the Nick Saban of, of the pros. You know, Saban's always going to have his team ready, although, you know, in this championship game, he didn't have his team ready. Except for that one time. Right, right except for that one time that just <laughs> happened. Um, but you expect Belichick's going to have the guys ready. He had two weeks to prepare. He's going to have a great game plan. You expect that Brady is going to, at the very least, be good, right? I don't think you're going to see a bad game out of Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. He might not be, you know, greatest of all time Tom Brady every time out in a Super Bowl, but at the very least, you're going to get a good baseline effort from Brady. I'm curious to see what the Rams bring to the table, and just like you, I want to see if if the defense, you know, can do its thing and disrupt what what the Patriots are trying to do on offense. And I'm interested to see how Sean McVay tries to attack them, and if he pulls out all the stops, so to say, and takes chances. Because we've seen one of the things that's made him great um, you know, this year is that he's he's very aggressive with his play calling and they're you know, they're willing to take chances. Now that everything is on the line and you're going up against the greatest of all time in Brady and Belichick, 
are you still willing to pull out all the stops and to take a lot of chances? Yeah. Because I think in order to win this game, I think the Rams are going to have to take some chances and hope that they pay off. Yeah, can I? I need to throw one more name out there, and that's Todd Gurley. And and McVeigh has talked about it this week. I mentioned Gurley um, when, but, I was, yeah, 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 when I was yeah, yeah. rattling but, off. But just yeah. to, just to focus on him a little bit because yeah. for whatever reason he's just disappeared he has. as of late. Yeah, uh, C.J. Anderson, who is quite literally on the street six weeks ago, has been getting more carries than him. And it doesn't make any sense to me because Gurley is one of the best running backs in in the NFL right now. And the fact that he can just disappear and and be non-existent, you know, like getting... Getting conspiratorial and thinking about it too much, it, it almost it it almost feels like it was a setup, doesn't it? Like, hey, we're gonna set him up, Save we're him gonna for the Super Bowl. we're gonna we're gonna minimize his role, and then bam, he's gonna run for two hundred yards in the Super Bowl, and you're never gonna see it coming because we're just gonna feed it to him on every play. But but there's something weird about it. There's something weird about about. Todd Gurley, who's one of the best at his position and was an MVP candidate for the first half of the year, all of a sudden disappearing when the games are the biggest and the and the lights are the brightest. And it, it hasn't just been one week against the Saints. It was before that in the playoffs. It was the last week, last couple of weeks of the season where he just wasn't playing. He just wasn't doing anything. And and so I think that if you can get him going and you can use him as a legitimate piece in your offense again. That changes this Rams offense, and that makes them better. Uh, you know, moving forward into this game, I, I think he could have a real, a really huge impact on it. Yeah, if this was a conspiracy, though, um, we would have seen more of Todd Gurley in the NFC title game, right? Because I mean, they they needed <laughs> yes, him. They needed uh, it. they needed something. Right? Uh, they weren't they weren't winning by forty points. They, they weren't up by three touchdowns they, the whole time. They were they couldn't have been banking on the phantom no pass interference uh, call in order to, know, to get to overtime. I don't to know, overtime. Steve. Those refs were from Southern California, were, so, yes, we so know maybe that they now. knew it. I, I mean, who knows? Yeah, they couldn't have been banking on that, but yeah, I'm with you. I, it, it, it's, so, it's so curious leading up to, to Super Bowls because, you know, for most guys, this is the biggest game of their lives. Uh, you can't really say that for the Patriots because they do this year in and year out, but for the guys on the Rams, you know, this is this is the ultimate and, and you were, you know, I don't want to say you were about it, you wonder. I guess as a fan, I mean, I have no dog in the fight. Um, you just wonder as a fan how guys who have never been in this position before how they're going to handle it. How yes. coaches who have never been in this position before. I mean, Sean McVay is brilliant. He's fantastic. He's a young guy. How is he going to handle his first Super Bowl? And is he going to attack? Is he going to take chances? Or is he going to you know play the odds and be a little more conservative because this is the Super Bowl and he's going up against you know Brady and Belichick and, and the New England Patriots. Um, there are so many like mini storylines, you know, woven throughout this whole thing. Um, you know, yeah, I'm a little tired of the Patriots being in the Super Bowl, but it, it, it there are enough fascinating storylines to keep me interested. And look, I, I know I threw this out there before, but what what if this is what the Patriots need to just cap this whole thing off? You you come up as the up and comer, you beat this this juggernaut of a team in the Rams 18 years ago. Now you're the juggernaut, and this up and coming Rams team comes and they beat you, and then you just fade into oblivion for the next 18. If years. you promise me that this is the end, I will root for the Patriots for the first time. <laughs> In my life, if you promise me that this is the end, they just if they need win, to lose to the Rams to have it all no, go away. They, I, I'm fine if they win. If they want to win and then fade off into the sunset, like I'm fine with that. Like if this is the last one, the last hurrah for Brady, you know, like go out like John Elway. If he wants to win one and then just ride off into the sunset, I will actually root for the Patriots this Sunday. Will you I promise me that that will be the case? I don't believe you. I will. I if don't the, believe you. If I you. knew this was the end, if I knew like if Brady wins, he's retiring, 
And if Belichick wins, he's gone. I would absolutely root for the Patriots. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. I absolutely no, would. No, you wouldn't. What? Yeah, I would. If this meant this was the end, I would absolutely <laughs> root for them. That's amazing. But I. We, but we know I, it's not. They, they're talking about extending Brady. Like, I know. I, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it makes no sense. It defies all all laws of logic. And and I saw uh, Matt Ryan was on ESPN. Uh, I want to say yesterday morning. And I, I'm watching an interview with him and. They say, hey, Brady says he's going to play until he's 45 or something. He's 41 right now. And they say, can you see that? You know, you're 33. And and first off, I'm surprised that Matt Ryan is 33 and, like, has been in the NFL for 10 years. That caught me off guard. But they said, like, hey, you're you're 33. Could you see yourself playing till you're 41? And he goes, yeah, why not? I mean, he, he was like, the rules are, are helping us. And, like, if I'm still playing, like, sure, why not? But it's... Like, nobody did this. Nobody ever did this before. And now Brady's going to do it, and Breeze did it, and, and it's going to do Manning. it. Peyton Manning did. Like, it, Favre. It, it makes no sense. And and now it's just going to be the norm. It's just going to happen. Like, there's a picture of Kenny Stabler looking really old and really overweight as he was playing for the Saints, and he was, like, 35. <laughs> he was, like, five years younger than... The picture, like, with the tweet that I saw was captioned, Kenny Stabler is five years younger than Drew Brees is right now in this picture. I'm fine if uh, 40's the new 30. I'm I'm totally fine with that. And one day you'll be fine with that too, Seth. I will. I'm sure so, I will. So if this is... I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I've got, um, I've got some time until I'm okay with yes, that. Yes, I know. I know. Um, yeah, I wish the end was near for Brady, but it doesn't seem like it is. No, and I mean, I'm curious to see, you know, when all is said and done, I'm curious to see what happens here. Like, does Belichick go out with Brady? Does Belichick, uh, does the ego make him stay ar- stick around and try and be like, no, I can do this. I can I can win with somebody else. Just watch. I'll, I'll go find some other fourth-round pick quarterback, and I'll, and I'll, you know, make this work too. Like, I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays itself out. Because I would imagine that the ego there is so huge that he doesn't want to give that up, right? He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to admit that, that it's all Brady's brilliance. And yeah. Brady doesn't want to admit that it's all well, Belichick. Well, like, right. I like think, I'm sure that as much as he doesn't want to play for anybody other than the Patriots, I'm sure he would love one season playing for somebody else so he can go tear it up. Yeah, but he better win, though. And and that's the thing, because everybody wants to play this debate and, and pick a side with, well, did Brady make Belichick or the other way around? Can we just agree that they that they made each other, right? I mean, if, if Brady played for a different coach, like if Brady played for Hugh Jackson, is he the greatest of all time? I mean, obviously Brady <laughs> I, is a special, you, special player. So you saw that I had just taken a sip of water. I almost spit it out <laughs> as, you said, as you said Hugh Jackson. Was that a good example? <laughs> yes, that was perfect. If Brady played for Hugh Jackson, is he going to the Hall of Fame? Is he the best quarterback of all time? No. If Belichick's quarterback was J.P. Lossman, is he winning Super Bowls? No. I mean, maybe. They they made each other. And and so, like, if one of them, you know, if, if Brady retires and then Belichick coaches with somebody else, he better win, or then people are going to say, see, it was Brady. Or I mean, if Brady have, goes somewhere he else. He did have that one year with Matt Castle, and they still won 11 games. That's, that's true. Uh, if Brady goes somewhere else, though, and you know Belichick retires or steps aside or whatever, you know Brady better win, or people are going to point to him and say, you know, see, it right. was the system. Um, I think we should all just agree that it, it they're both it's great. a dynasty for a reason, right? You know, Popovich and Tim Duncan, you know, they they were a dynasty for a reason. They you know they made each other, um, and then that's usually what the case is with dynasties. You know, if 
you know, if Jordan and Pippen played for a different coach, would they still have won a lot of titles? Probably. Right, but Jordan and Pippen didn't win anything before Phil, right, and, right. and Kobe and Shaq, although in the infancy, didn't win anything before Phil either. Right. right. I mean, are they winning as many titles as they did? I guess is the point, is that to some degree, even though the players are great and the coaches are great individually, you know, you put them together and that's when you get something special. And I think that's the case with Brady. He's obviously, a, you know, an unbelievable talent, but... He was fortunate enough to play with Bill Belichick and and play for Bill Belichick, and they they have this special thing going, and now they're going. I, I just can't believe it's their ninth Super Bowl. It's, it's unbelievable. It really is. Uh, we do need to take a timeout. 315-437-7644. Who do you got on Sunday and why? We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth, back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by CH Insurance, 315-437-7644, if you'd like to get involved. Uh, we're joined a little bit earlier in the show today uh, by our producer, Tommy Hogan, as we uh, we talk Super Bowl. And and one of the, the favorite things uh, for all of us to talk about centered around the Super Bowl, prop bets. So you got some prop bets for us, Tommy? I do. And before we start, I want to ask, are you guys down to throw 10 on this? Whoever gets the most right. Yeah. Let's Whoever gets the most right nah, as good. a show. No, I'm good. Let's make this actually have some value. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk off air, Tommy. Off air. Maybe right, you again. and I will have a, a sideways. I guess Seth, so. wants Seth, part Seth doesn't feel confident. No, he already lost the season wide no, thing, look, so he doesn't want to. No, he doesn't I'm, wanna... I'm good. No. All right, so we're going to start off easy. Start off with the beginning of the game. Coin toss. Heads or tails? <laughs> tails. <laughs> he says with no hesitation. That's the kind of guy I am too. Tails Boom. never fails. I was told that. At, Give me tails. What age six or seven? Exactly. I learned that, and I've called tails on every, every coin flip I've ever had because of it. All right, give me heads. All right. Next That's up. tough. That's a tough look. Um, will dilly dilly be said during a Bud Light commercial? Yes. Yes. What are, what are the odds on that? Do you have the odds? Yes. Uh, yes is at minus 200. The favorite, no, plus 150. Now, see, the only thing that, the only the only way that this changes is if um, if Bud Light decides that they need a new slogan, what better time to roll it out than when 100 million people are watching? But you could still say, we're moving on from dilly dilly to whatever, and right. there's your dilly dilly. Yeah, there you go. I think it's going to happen. Will CBS show a replay of the missed pass interference call in the Rams Saints game? Yes, is the favorite. Now, when does this start? Does this start? Does this start at the beginning of the game broadcast or the beginning? Like, because it's going to come up at some point in the in the pregame show because they've got like eighteen hours, so it's definitely going to come yes. up in the pregame show. I think it will happen in the in the in the game after as well. kickoff. We'll say I, so from kickoff well, no, to from kickoff to will happen during the game. No, I think that you have to start with the game open because I think it shows up in the game open. I don't know. Here's I don't know how, the parameters. Here's how these teams got here. Boom. I don't know if that counts. I think it does. I think as soon as the game broadcast begins, that's when it is. So I'll say yes. I, I think it's yes either way. I think at some point during the game, they're gonna something's gonna come up where they're gonna go back to that. Yes is the favorite at minus 130. Uh, how many plays will Tony Romo correctly predict during the game over under set at seven and a half? It's going to be under. He doesn't. He he only predicted 72 plays or 70 plays over the, the course season. of the year. Right. So he's not going to go out and do like 10. And Had a big week last week. No, he's coming off a big well, week two yeah, weeks ago. And, and here's the other thing that you have to keep in mind. And, and Brent made this point, and I think it was a good one. 
it's got to be like a certain kind of game to warrant that, right? Like the Chiefs-Patriots game, they were going back and forth. It was high leverage. Like it was quick moving, and, and you could see things happening just very quickly. Like is that is this game going to be that? Is it going to be bouncing back and forth? Is it going to have that energy, or is it going to be kind of like a slower pace? And I don't know that that happens. Yeah, the the kind of game I think absolutely plays into it. And you know when when is he at his best, or at least in his best in that game was it was you know late game situations. It was almost like two minute drill type offense where you know there was audibles. It was you know he's coming to the line. What does he see? Um, and in order to have that, you have to have you know multiple two minute drills. We saw it in the Chiefs Patriots game, right? There was a lot of like you know urgency from both yes, sides. There was a score, then there was an urgency to get down the field and score. Then the Chiefs got the ball back. There was an urgency for them to go down and score. And it was, there was a fast pace, a pace to it. For it. There was you know a lot of you know audibles and the you know the the quarterback barking out signals at the line of scrimmage, and uh, and that's where Romo's, Romo's at his best. So in order for it to hit seven and a half, then it's going to have to be one of those games that we see multiple lead changes. Right. Down the stretch, or you know, uh, two possessions of the final two minutes of the first half, where they you know guys are running up and down the field. Uh, so I, I'm with Seth. I think under is is the safe play on that. Okay, now here's me playing devil's advocate. He got so much praise for it during the AFC Championship game. A lot of people that were watching it loved it. Could yeah, he have been told think, by CBS? All right, we want to see a little bit more of this. We no, don't want to just see it in two. No, minutes. because in the past it's gone the other way, and they've said, "Hey, let's cool it." So I don't think that they would say, hey, ramp it up. See, I, I, I've i never understood that. I don't I, either. I've heard people say, well, it takes away from my enjoyment of the game. I don't get Let it. Let it breathe. How? But how? Like, if you're watching the game, he obviously played it at a very, very, very high level. Did he? Yeah, he okay. did. What are yeah, you talking about? He played about? in the NFL. He played at a high level. Okay, fine. Yes. You're, you're taking a shot at him. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I just don't want him to get nervous in his first Super Bowl. Nathan Peterman played in the NFL. He didn't play at a very, very, very high Come level. Come on. That, that, that is, but that's just a bad point. All right, you me, can't just say give NFL. Me, okay, and, give me the rest of your prop. No, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Let, let's let's finish this. So explain to me why why people I don't, don't want him get, to predict the play. Oh, no, no, no. I agree. I think it's oh, okay. good that he predicts the play. I, I was just going off of this. No, because, play because Seth is right. Seth, you know, Seth is right that some people say, well, it, it ruins my enjoyment of the it's game. Stupid. I don't want to know what's happening before it happens. I think it's remarkable. Yes. Like to to see the game through his eyes and what he sees. Obviously, you know, he's seeing what Tom Brady is seeing. You know, we're we're watching on TV and he's got the same vantage point that we do. He's he's at the line of scrimmage telling us what Tom Brady sees. I think it is absolutely fascinating. Cowboy fans probably just wish wish he had you know, done it more <laughs> on the field. Uh, how many times will the broadcast mention Sean McVay's age over under one and a half times? Over. What do you got, Steve? Uh, I'm going to say under. What's the point of saying it twice? Say it once, establish it. Bring it back at the end? Maybe. High leverage That's why it's one and a half, but exactly. I, I'm gonna, I'll say under. I'll say over. Over is the favorite at minus 175, under at plus 135. Uh, the jersey number of the first player to score the first... Touchdown over under 26 and a half. Oh. So Tom Brady have, would have to be a rushing touchdown. It's a person if it's a receiver, like, then you're so like correct. somebody right. other. So this is essentially asking if it's running or passing. No, well, not even because the Patriots have some running backs who have higher numbers. This is essentially asking is it Todd Gurley or anybody else? CJ Anderson well, no, is our- at. Todd Gurley's at 30, isn't he? Sony Michelle, I believe, is I also saying, just Michelle, over. Michelle's what? 26. Yeah, he's in the What's 20s, the I think. 26 and a half is the number. I'm going to go over. Everybody of significance is over 26, except for Sonny Michelle. 
they're so gonna go over. There's more people under, but more significant right. over. Well, yeah. Brady and Goff are both under. Yeah, but are you, obviously, are you they, they have to run. They have to run. No, I understand that. On a rushing touchdown. I understand that. I'm gonna go uh, Gronk over. over. Julian Edelman under. A lot of the Rams wide receivers are under. The mm-hmm. best Rams wide first, receivers. First touchdown or first points. First touchdown. I forgot about like Cooks and. Cooks and, and uh, Woods. Robert Woods are both under. Their tight ends are over, though. Their running backs are over. It's close. It's tough. I'm going to say over. So, Gurley. Gurley is a safe bet. Gurley, Gronk, James White. Yep. Rex Burkhead. He's been on a team for some reason recently. I'll say under. I was going yeah, over is probably the safe play. Is over the favorite, I assume? Over is the favorite at minus 140, under at plus 120. All right, I'm going for the underdog here. All right, so here's a little crossover one now. Zion Williamson points and rebounds, points plus rebounds. They play against St. John's on Saturday, the, the day before the game, versus the Rams plus the Patriots' first half points. Ooh. But Zion Williamson Zion. is at minus five and a half. Zion. Minus five oh. and a half spread on this. Oh. Yeah. Goodness gracious, this is complicated. Um, Zion. All right, so let's say he goes for let's so say he goes for, by goes six for twenty and ten. That's thirty. That's thirty. Do the Rams and Patriots combine for twenty five points in the first half? And he probably scores, and he probably goes for more than thirty total. Like that number is probably closer to forty. St. John's a decent team. Eh. He's averaging what twenty one a game. Yep, he's averaging twenty one and nine. Twenty, yeah, right. So that's twenty two and nine. Yeah, he's right there. Um, I'm gonna say Zion. Minus five and a half. Minus five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah, I'll take. I could see him. I could see him destroying St. John's. Like thirty-five and ten. But if it's fourteen, fourteen, then you lose. Or you know, seventeen, ten. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna take the football teams. I would agree with combining the score more. I think so too. It's gonna be a shootout. Over under 105 seconds for the national anthem sang by Gladys Knight. 105 minute seconds, 40, one minute 45. Over, over, over. Yeah, over. over. What didn't, song? Didn't they, hang on, you have, have to go. You have to go. Line set around two minutes. You have recently? to go. Yeah, you have to go pretty fast to get to 145. That's over. The one I saw at was 105 seconds, minute 45. You've got to go. I, no, no, I'm saying in past years. I in, feel like yeah. I saw the line in about past two years, minutes. It's typically at like 205, 210. You've got to go pretty fast to get to 145. But Vegas so always knows. Over. Somebody knows that that's around the right time. The going set. Over. They're just watching a bunch of YouTube videos. They can do it just like we could. Uh, what song will be performed first by Maroon 5? The top three are One More Night at plus 300, Makes Me Wonder at plus 500, and Sugar at plus 550. Do we have any examples? Because you telling me the titles are not, that, that's not helping for me. This is Sugar. No? Nothing? I mean, I've heard it. Okay, it's up up tempo. Uh, All right. Moves like Jagger at plus six hundred. That's a well known one. I'm thinking this is probably a, this is good. a good bet. This is a good one to I think this draw is a good everybody bet. in. I think I think this love, which is like their their first song, might not be a bad bet to to open it up. Well, pick one. You take it a plus fifteen hundred as well. It's the long Ooh. shot. This love. You might if you're betting on this, you might as well just take the long shot. I know. I think I'm going. You to. know. Give me this love at plus fifteen hundred. I'll take the second one you played. Whatever the name of that was. What Seth, was, that? What was it? Yeah. What? Makes me wonder. I got that. All right. What are the odds on that one? Plus six hundred. Not bad. All right. I'll take it. 
If you're betting on that, you should just take yeah. whatever you can. And we did one last year. Would they? Would he play the song that he? Would Justin Timberlake play the song that he was playing before he ripped Janet Jackson's top off? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was one of them last year. Color of this is a always always one of them. Color of the Gatorade poured on the winning coach: lime green or yellow. At plus two twenty five is the favorite. That's the favorite. The favorite. Uh, I don't know. Give me blue. Blues at plus three seventy five. Orange at it. plus three hundred. Red at plus four hundred. Water at plus four hundred. And purple, the long shot at plus a thousand. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say red. Is that your what, now? What are your guys' favorite Gatorade? We'll just go into that real quick. I'm not a Gatorade person. Oh I, haven't had, I haven't had Gatorade in maybe fifteen years. Um, can I take purple? Purple is your favorite. That purple was, is my favorite. Purple was my go-to, but I haven't had Gatorade in at least ten years. And and blue is in second. I don't like the other. Interesting. I'm a blue and a yellow guy. Um, will Tom Brady announce retirement after the game? I hope so. Oh, me too. But no way. Not even. There's not even a little. No, at minus no. twenty five hundred. Yeah, there's not even a small He's chance. He's not going to. Yes, is at plus twelve hundred. No, it's not happening. And I just wanted to say it's been confirmed now that Maroon Five will play SpongeBob Sweet Victory during their halftime show. I don't know how this got brought up, but it's been a story there now for a, a couple weeks. There's a petition online. Well, they they saw it and they're gonna play it. Fantastic. A great song. If it, I don't know. I mean, see, I'm sure. You, you know you know what I'm talking about here. The kids, no way, the kids love uh, SpongeBob. Uh, play it for me, maybe I'll, I don't, I you don't, don't have, have it. it. Okay, I don't have it. I, I'm sure I've heard it. Um, you'd saying "Sweet Victory" that doesn't mean anything to me though. SpongeBob put on a very good halftime show. I'll let you know that during the Super Bowl song or the Super Bowl episode of SpongeBob, I'm sure Plankton my, and the boys put on a heck of say, a sure, Super Bowl halftime. Sure, show. my kids have seen it, um, and and maybe I have as well. Doesn't Squidward ring a bell. plays a mean saxophone. Well, I'll I'll, I'll tune in Sunday and find out. I don't have my headphones on. I would fast forward a little this bit. Is, this is it. Sick. Okay, everybody. <laughs> there we go. This is it? They're singing, but yeah, it's the beginning. I mean, I'm not going to play this whole thing. Well, can we hear we something? to break with it. Or you can play it as, uh, you can play it during the commercial if you'd like. Yeah. Okay, this is great. <laughs> great radio. Maroon 5's playing this. You're a fan of this? You're a fan of this? This is like 80s rock. It Adam is. Levine is going to oh, crush gotta, this. Look, Steve, you got to watch. They've got pyrotechnics. They've got the light show, the whole deal. Oh, yeah, they go all in. This is right. cool. I'm, I hope this is the first song. Are they ever. ending with that? I hope they start with it. We'll see, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we uh, we're desperately up against the clock. Good job, Tommy. Uh, we'll see you in the second hour for today's business. We got to take a timeout. We're going to talk some NBA on the other side. We got to get to this Kristaps Porzingis story. Back after this, jumper on the way, good. Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. 
The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg, powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Seth with you up until two o'clock. We've got Danny Shays set to join us in the next segment as we talk some some Q's basketball. Um, I'm going to throw this out there to, to start hour number two. It kind of goes with what we were talking about in hour number one uh, with the Super Bowls and the prop bets. Uh, one of our listeners uh, tweeted at me a, a potential prop bet involving Syracuse. Um, so, so which one has more? Uh, Pittsburgh scoring points in the first half tomorrow against Syracuse or the Patriots' number of points for the entire game on Sunday? I think that's a good one. They scored, uh, they scored 25 in the first half here in the Dome. But it's a home game, and it's their second crack at Syracuse in that zone. And McGowan's remember got hurt in that first half. So if they get to, if they get I'm to like with the Patriots, if they get to like thirty two, if the if the Pant- probably if Pitt gets to like thirty two, that's going to be tough to beat. I mean, is New England probably is New England scoring thirty five points? I don't know. And if they are, they're probably winning. The over under is what is it like fifty eight and a half? I think for the Super Bowl. So, Vegas thinks it's going to be, you know, the winning total is going to be right around 30. You know, like 31, I'll 28. Take, uh, I'll take the Patriot points. All right. I, would I t- got the I'm over a- under at 56 and a half. 56 and a half. Okay. Even less. I'm going to take Pitt. And that doesn't mean I think Pitt's winning the game, but if they score, again, if they score like 32 if they score points. 30 or 32 in the first half, they're I think probably they're, I think they're in pretty good shape. So, in any event, uh, we just saw this matchup a couple weeks ago. Any reason to believe this one's going to be different? I mean, it, no. it is at the Peterson Event Center. No, you know, Pitt's not. much better there. Um, but I, I just say, think Syracuse well, is a better team. You say Pitt's much better there, and I, and I don't, I don't disagree. Traditionally, with your, they are with your rationale. Uh, but they, you know, they they've lost games there uh, that you would think they would win. They lost to Niagara. They, you know, they beat they, Florida State. Yeah, they beat Florida State. Um, they've lost their last four. Uh, I think that Pitt has kind of become Pitt of 2018-19 uh, since that game against Syracuse. You know, no, nothing against them. They're just not a very good team right now. And and that's what happens when you have back-to-back awful years and you go over for the conference schedule, you know, in a year and you have to fire your coach. You don't have a very good team. So I think that they're just kind of falling into what they are. And remember, we had Craig Meyer on a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about this. Um, you know, with him, and he said, "Hey, at the beginning of the year, I thought maybe they would win this many games. Now I thought, you know, then I thought, oh, maybe they'll win a couple more. And now I'm thinking maybe a couple more. But you know, maybe they're just kind of falling back into that preseason-ish kind of slot where, yeah, they're they're not going to go win 20 games like you thought they might. I mean, they were 12 and five. Like that's not a that's not a this isn't a team that should be 12 and five. They picked up some good some some easy wins in the non conference. They beat Youngstown State, VMI, Central Arkansas. I mean, they like, beat they, they beat played, Louisville and Florida State. No, they did, and that's great. Uh, they've also since lost four straight, and I, I think that they're falling into kind of what they are. Uh, okay, yes. They lost four straight. They lost at the Dome. Then they lost at home to Duke. Then they lost at Louisville and at Clemson. And they got crushed in these games. 
They got. They lost, they lost by 15. 15 to Duke, 15 to Louisville. 15 or less 15 in all of them. To, yeah, 13 to 13 Clemson. 13 to Clemson. And, I mean, they got, no, they got I, beat pretty handily it. in all of them. But again, you're playing really good teams. I Just that that happens in this conference. I mean, NC State is 4-4 four and four in the ACC. There's a reason they're 4-4. Four and four. They play a really tough schedule. I mean, the ACC is really tough. I guess it, it's interesting to me because, you know, I threw this poll out uh, on Twitter earlier in the week uh, for something we were doing over at Channel 9. I said, which game is tougher for Syracuse, the BC game or the Pitt game? And two-thirds of people picked the pit game. We got more than 100 votes in, in the time of the polls true. up there. That um, might be true. So, you, ex- I mean, l- listen, Syracuse won the BC game, but th- they won by six. You, you think this game's going to be closer than six tomorrow? No. I think that pit right now is uh, – no, I don't. I, I think it's probably going to be a six, eight, ten-point game. I, I think it's going to be much the same. I think that Syracuse wins. I, I think that they'll handle their business like they did when, when – Pittsburgh was in the dome. I think they'll handle their business the same way they did the other night against against Boston College. Like this is a game that you should win. This is a game that you should be able to go out there and, and just beat the Panthers. And I, I think that they will. Here's the thing that worries me about this one, just to play devil's advocate, is that Syracuse played really, really well against Pittsburgh the first time around. McGowan's got hurt in the first half. He had an off day. He was two for thirteen from the field. And Pitt made that run and made it interesting late. And Syracuse won comfortably. They were never in danger of losing that game. But that was a home game. Syracuse played really, really well. And Pitt, you know, hung around and was within a couple of possessions down the stretch. And then, and, you know, Syracuse was able to to hang on and, and win the game. This one is at Pittsburgh. You obviously have the comfort of you just played them two weeks ago. You feel like you're better than them. Um, and, and Pitt's better at home. And I think they're going to be better tomorrow. I think Syracuse still wins the game. But I, I don't think this is going to be, you know, an 11-point game where, you know, Syracuse is just in control from start to finish. Um, you know, we saw even against BC, they fell behind by nine early and they had to scratch and claw their way out of it. And Elijah got them started. And then, you know, by halftime, you know, re- order had been restored. And then they played they played well in the second half and they won the game. I, I just, I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk. I don't think this is going to feel like the first time around when they played Pittsburgh. Because, again, no, it was at feel, home. Pitt didn't shoot the ball well. It's going to feel more like the Boston College game than the first game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game that Syracuse is going to have to make plays down the stretch to win, just like they had to do against BC. Yeah, like, you I, never felt like they were going to lose against BC, but they still had to make plays down the stretch. Exactly. And and I feel like it's kind of, the I, I, like you said, I think it's going to be similar to that tomorrow. I think that it's a game that Syracuse will, will lead, will you know, be able to keep Pitt at, at arm's length, which is what they did to Boston College after getting over that that run. Um, and then after that, they're gonna find they're gonna have to find a way to you know put them away and and really push them aside. I think that they'll be able to. I think that they'll be able to get the win. And this falls into that same category as Boston College on the road, as Miami at home, as Pittsburgh at home, which is uh, you've got to you know you've got to this this feels like a game that you've got to go out and win because it you know. It, it won't help you if you, you know, it might not help you too much. It might not hurt you too much either in reality. But, like, just go win it and don't worry about it. Pile up another win in the ACC. Do you think uh, Syracuse will be led in scoring by the same player who led him in scoring last year at Pittsburgh? Not, no. It was Barama. He was the only guy in double figures that game for Syracuse. <laughs> finished, with, finished with 18 points. Oh, no, I take that back. They had two guys at the battle at 14. Uh, 18 for Barama, 16 rebounds. 18.16 rebounds. Unbelievable. So you don't think Barama's going to have a repeat performance? He's going to get into that gym. He's going to be like Peterson Event Center, and he's going to bring back you know memories. You're going to flood back, and he's going to remember yeah, how to play exactly. like that. Exactly. He's going to. He's. Gonna, it's going to be like, oh, well, I I remember my surroundings. I know where I am. No, I don't think so.
And we didn't expect that last gonna, year either. He's going to play? That's a good question. Yes, he'll play a little bit. Like Tuesday? Or th- Wednesday? Sorry. You know, it's funny. Every year, and I know we got to get to Danny, every year we talk about, wow, SU's really deep. They could go 9, 10 deep. And then, and then inevitably, they end up at seven. inevitably a, it comes a, back look, to seven or eight. I feel like I said this before the season. It's a fool's errand. Like, we do it to ourselves every year, but it's a really stupid conversation to have when we're like, yeah, they're going to go eight deep. No, they're not. They're, it's going to be six or seven, and that's it. And it works. I mean, what, what they've got going on right now, it, it works. And it's unfortunate for Jalen Carey. It's unfortunate for Barama. Remember, but it remember works. the Andrew White, John Gillen year when we were like, wow, they could go 10 deep. They have two starting fives. And then it was like, ah, Roberson's not going to play. And neither is Day One. And, and, and Frank's going to get pulled and never going to play after January. Well, we and, were wrong and this then year everything about. Everything was wrong. We were wrong this year about who was going to be the, the odd man out. I was not expecting that Jalen Carey would be the odd man out at this stage of the year. I don't think anybody was. No. Um, and and that's a credit to Buddy and and how well he's played. And we thought maybe Marek would be odd man out, but no, he's nope. he's been too good. He he's fine his way to the floor as well. We do need to take a timeout. We've got Danny Shays set to join us on the other side. Come on back. You're listening to ESPN Radio.